Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Listen, I want to welcome you if you are new with us. My name is Moses Khan. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're watching us online, thank you so much for joining us wherever you are joining us from. And if you're listening to us, maybe uh, listening to this maybe a little bit later, I want to thank you for doing that as well. Just a reminder, you can find all of our messages, all of our teachings on any podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, Google, the whole nine yards. You can find all of that um, and, uh, and be refreshed during, during the week, during your chores. Amen? So that's what I do. And I got to shovel the snow, just put something on in my ears, and I say, all right, God, let's do this. <laughs> Amen? That's it. Shovel with God. <laughs> uh, listen, we are in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we are uh, going to be concluding chapter 8 tonight. So we're going to be in chapter 8, verses 28 to 34. If you are new with us, uh, what we do is go through um, uh, this verse by verse. We think there is a, a, a benefit in slowing down, right? The command to, to uh, Israel was to meditate on the word of God day and night. That meant you could not just read the word of God once and hope to understand it, accomplish it, be fulfilled by it. It was a life times worth of studying, of reading, of meditating, meditating, of chewing. And so uh, I just believe we need to slow down in a world that is so, so, so full of hurry. And uh, what other, what better place to slow down than at the words of God? Amen. So Matthew chapter eight, if you're there, say amen. Man, I'm so excited about tonight. Um, by the way, Wednesday nights, uh, you know, you can, you, can, you can talk back to me. Um, yes, come on. I love it. I love it. I, I, spoke, at a, I spoke at a church recently where, where they didn't do that sort of thing. And so um, uh, my, my friend who is the pastor there, his, his wife was doing the introduction and, and she had said, um, you know, Pastor Moses comes from... Uh, a non-traditional church, unlike ours. And so, and so uh, <laughs> I appreciated that. And so they, they said amen, and I almost felt at home. <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 8. I'm reading out of the ESV translation. Verse 28 says this. And when he, being Jesus, came to the other side, to the country of Gardena, Gar, Gadarenes, did I get that right? Gadarenes. Some of you ought to be up here helping me read. Um, I always joke around in the office, which is not really a joke. Um, and anytime I mess up a word, I just go, guys, English is my second language, all right? Give me a break. And uh, they're tired of hearing that. Okay, so he, he came to the other side, to the country of Gadarenes, Gadarenes, Gatorade, two demon... <laughs> Two demon-possessed men met him, uh, coming out of the tombs. How wild is that? So fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Verse 30, now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance away from them. And the demons begged him, saying, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out, and they went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and they saw him. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. We're going to have a fun time tonight. Okay, let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for these minutes that we can share around your word. God, remind us that your word is still active, alive, powerful, that it does not return to you void. It accomplishes its very purpose. So tonight, God, as you are our teacher, allow me to facilitate what you want to say so that your word may not return to you void. I thank you for the people listening, the people here in this room. God, I thank you that you are going to speak to us uh, collectively as a body, but you're also going to speak to us uniquely as we need to hear you speak. Because you can do that. You can do do all things at once. You're that big. You're that amazing. And so allow us, allow us to to experience that. And I pray that the future NBA All-Star Weekends would be a lot better than this past one. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Did anyone watch that? It was terrible. Now, the only thing I did enjoy was, was Steph Curry uh, during the game. Uh, he, was, he was hitting some threes, and, uh, and that was enjoyable. But the dunk contest, anyways, it might as well have been a layup contest. But anyways, okay. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to get into the word of God. All right. Have you ever had a moldy croissant? I have. I had one today. Um, not on purpose, by the way. Um, anyways, now that I have your attention. <laughs> no, it, it was moldy. I didn't realize it was moldy. And uh, I scarf it, scarfed it down before I realized there was any mold on it. I went to get another one. And, uh, and Angie goes, they have mold on it. And I said, well, why didn't anyone tell me while I was scarfing the first one down? But anyways, the Lord is my healer. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Anyways, I'm alive. So if I, if I drop, it'll be, it's, it's either the spirit or it's the moldy croissant I had in the afternoon today. And uh, I say that to say, um, well, nothing really. I just wanted to share. I just wanted to share that story with you. Okay, so, you ready? All right. Okay, let's do this verse by verse, and uh, we're going to have a good time. So, when he being Jesus came to the other side. Now, how many of you were here for last week's session? Okay, so, so this story is deeply, deeply, deeply connected to the story that preceded. The story that preceded, for those of you who were not here or did not listen or did not watch, it was uh, Jesus is healing people. He just came down from the Sermon on the Mount. He says to his disciples, the crowds are getting large. I need some rest. Let's go to the other side. They get into a boat. Uh, the disciples follow him. And as they get into the boat, it's about a one to two hour journey. And Jesus being tired falls asleep. There's a storm and the disciples are freaking out. And they're like, what do we do? And they're calling out to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care about us? We're going to die. You're sleeping. And Jesus gets up, says, where's your faith? Rebukes the sea and the wind. Everything calms down. And now they come to the other side. Okay? Now it's important because these two texts get preached separately. And oftentimes sermons regarding the storm are not connected to what happens on the other side. You understand? The sermon, uh, the, 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 the scene um, on, on the sea and the storm is a, is a transitionary scene. You understand? In life, you go through transitionary seasons. And you cannot look at those transitionary seasons isolated. You have to connect them with where God brought you and to where God is taking you. Can I get some amens? Okay, so, so the scene on the storm, uh, in, in the boat with the storm, is a transitionary scene. It is, it is supposed to connect to what is coming next, and that's what tonight is about. And it ends on a question the disciples ask one another, and the question is as follows, what sort of man is this? What sort of man is this? This scripture... This story, okay, is supposed to connect. This scripture is supposed to answer the question, what sort of man 
is this? What sort of man is this? Matthew is, is, is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write his, his biography of Jesus in such a fashion that in this text, if you read it over again, the disciples are not mentioned. Because right now, it's not about the disciples. It's about what sort of man is this? Okay, so they come to the other side. In, in that scene on the boat, we see Jesus has authority over the natural world. Right? So we see his authority. He has authority over the natural world. The wind and the sea obey him. And now we come to the other side, to the country of Gatorade, um, Gatorines. I'm kidding. I hope that's not offensive to you guys. Um, they come to the country, so somebody's like, that is offensive. To the country of Gatorines, where, where two demon-possessed men are there. So, so this, is, this is important. We got we to gotta talk about this. We got to talk about this because this is incredibly, incredibly important. So you come from a scene, you come from a moment where, where Jesus um, displays his authority over the natural world. And now you're stepping into a scene where, where Matthew is, is going to reveal to us that we don't just live in a natural world, we also live in a spiritual world. There are spiritual realities in our world that oftentimes we don't talk about enough, that we don't realize are there. And Matthew says, no, 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 he gets to the other side and there's two demon-possessed men waiting for Jesus. Now, if, if you're an individual who thinks, okay, there's only the natural world, uh, I don't really think about the spiritual, then this text is a problem for you. This text, because Jesus approaches these men, they're, they're demon-possessed. Now, if, if demons are real, that means the spiritual world is real. Spiritual forces are real. Does that make sense? And so, and so there's evil and there's good at play. So, so these realities cannot be Ignored. This is not just a natural world that we live in. There are spiritual realities, good and evil. And, 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 these, things are, and these things are happening. They're influencing people. They're in influencing the world, systems in the world, relationships, all sorts of things. And the problem is when we only look at life through a natural lens, we don't look at life with a complete picture. We don't see life for all that it is. It's not just natural, it's also spiritual. Now the beauty of the fact that, 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 it is a, that life is not just natural, it's also spiritual, if life is spiritual, it must mean that life has meaning. See, here's the problem with a naturalistic mindset. If you think life is only natural, there is no meaning to life. Because there's nothing beyond the natural. But the moment you understand that there is a spiritual reality. You have to understand that there's something beyond the natural, which means there is meaning beyond this life. And so oftentimes, we, we resist the call to follow Jesus because we don't see that. We only see life as natural. You might have family members. You might have coworkers who only see life as natural. And, and the problem with that view of life is they run into a problem where now they have to ask themselves, well, then what's the meaning of life? If life is just natural, if there's nothing more than what we see with our eyes, you run into a problem. Life becomes meaningless. And when life becomes meaningless, People live without purpose. People live without destiny. People live without hope. And all of a sudden, you have people with anxiety, depression, and, and no hope in their near future. Why? Because, because they've adapted this naturalistic mindset. And in case you think it's just the world, might I suggest that that has crept into the body. That we too living in the world for so long, sometimes forget that there is a spiritual world, that there is more to life than what I'm currently going through. 
Make sense? And so, and so there's a demon possessed. There's two demon possessed. Man, there's demonic influence. And if you don't realize this, this is happening right now, by the way. Right? So, so you think things are just the way things are, but, but there's actual demonic influence behind those things. There, there's evil forces at play. Right? And so that's why it, 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 in, in certain, in certain, um, in certain uh, letters of the Bible, and I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Peter, for instance, who, who when he talks about our, our salvation and our transition, right, from, from a life without relationship with God to a life with relationship with God, he says that God has brought us out of darkness into light. Now, he's not talking about the natural world. He's talking about the spiritual world. He's saying you, you used to be in a place where, where you were not just influenced, but really, uh, Ephesians 2, the power of the air, who is, who is Satan, he, he's the one who was instructing your life. God brought you out of that so that now what has authority over you is not demonic forces and influences, but the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Now, we need to be careful because we, we, we hear and we talk about people can, you know, if, if you're not a believer, you can be possessed by a demon. But if you are a believer, we cannot use the same language. Because to possess, right, means that it has authority over you, means that it, there's ownership. So we can't use the same language. Because biblically speaking, according to scripture, We've been bought by the blood of, of Christ. And it's, it's, not, it's not that, it, now it's, we don't own ourselves, but the Holy Spirit owns us. So that's why in Corinthians, Paul says, you can't do whatever you want with your body because the Holy Spirit resides in you. You're, you're his temple. He has ownership. Now, just because we cannot be oppressed does not mean we cannot be influenced. We're going to talk about that in a second. Just because we cannot be oppressed does not mean we cannot be influenced. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can be oppressed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't own you. And an empty house is free for the taking. Does that make sense? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Now, now it's interesting because Jesus, we talked about this last week, um, Jesus operates, how many know, by grace? Even in this moment, we're going to see Jesus is going to operate by grace. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the strength and the efforts of the disciples that saved them from the storm. It was the word of Jesus. It's not the strength and the effort of these two men that saved them from demonic oppression. It's the word of Jesus, meaning it's grace. Now here's a good principle for you to know. One writer, one writer writes this, and I love what they say. Uh, they say, Where, wherever grace exists, there's conflict. Wherever grace exists, there's conflict. Why? Because grace continues to pull you out of darkness into light. Grace continues to move you and remove you from demonic influence, influence of the enemy, influence of evil, and, and it brings God's goodness, God's favor into your life. So wherever there's grace, there's conflict. That means wherever there's conflict, you shouldn't run away. That was too strong for some people. People just want to run away. I was hoping for some more amens. So, so wherever there's conflict, conflict is not an indication that you need to run away. Conflict is an indication that you need to ask God, what are you trying to do here that would not be accomplished if I don't stay a little longer? Hello? Can I give you a practical example? There are times when you pray, when you feel like you're done praying, you just hit a wall. Because God wants to do something. But if you move too quick, God can't do the thing that he wants to do. Makes sense? Okay. So, so where there's grace, there is conflict. Right? So, so if Satan is a ruler... We've got to catch this. It has to do with authority. Where, where Satan is a ruler, now you have Jesus bringing the kingdom of God, the domain of God, where God rules and reigns. So God's a ruler. 
And you have God bringing his rule and reign, which he does not by force, he does it by grace. Right? His kindness leads to repentance. He does it by grace. So when, when moments like that happen, you have another ruler causing conflict, telling you you're not worth it, telling you you're not good enough, telling you God forgave you, but can you forgive yourself? Hello? Have you experienced that? Okay. So, so two demon-possessed men are coming out of the tomb, exceedingly fierce, notice, so that no one could pass that way. Now, this is interesting, because there's demonic activity happening, and it says, this is, this is so powerful, it's so fierce, it's scary, no one wants to go that way. Now, is that not the reality of our lives, where we have issues, we don't want to talk about them? Where there's evil influence in our life, we don't want to talk about that, we don't want to deal with that. And so, and so we come, you know, to a Sunday service, a Bible study, we, we serve. How you doing? I'm good, brother. Blessed and highly favored. Oh, okay, but how are you really? Right? We, we don't want to go that way. We don't want to go that way. Those, those dark areas in our life, we don't want to talk about that. So, so I'll come to church smiling, happy. Meanwhile, my marriage is falling apart. Now, I'm not saying that, that we should just go everywhere gloomy. You, you catch what I'm saying? But, but we, we ought not to live a life that is just a front. Hello? Pretending things are better than they really are. Pretending I don't have issues. Right? This is why, this is why there's certain people that need to go to a counselor but don't. Hello? They need, they need to talk to somebody about their issues, but they don't. They don't want to go that way. They, they don't want to deal with the dark, hidden stuff buried. Okay, let me continue. I felt, I felt some tension there. So, so they, couldn't pass, they couldn't pass that way, and that's the reality. And, and what we need to do Right? So, so remember, where there's grace, there's conflict. And so what we need to do, rather than avoiding those areas that we don't want to talk about, that we don't want to expose, we actually need to go there. We, we need to go there. We, we need to say, I'm not going to allow the devil to have a foothold. But, but the more we conceal, the more we hide, the more the enemy has a foothold. Does that make sense? I'm going to talk a little bit deeper about this in just a couple of minutes, so, so let me continue and let me get, at least get through the text. Amen. Okay. And, and suddenly, the Bible says, uh, uh, they, they cried out, saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, Son of God? Your translation might say, what have you to do with us, Jesus, Son of God? God. Now this is interesting because this whole scripture is meant, the primary purpose of this text. So when you read a scripture, you, you need to ask, not what does this mean to me, but what's the primary meaning of this text? What is the Holy Spirit trying to communicate? Does that make sense? If you go to a Bible study and the first question they ask you is, what does this text mean to you? Leave. You have my permission. It's not how you study the Bible. That's the last question you should be asking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what it means to you. What was God trying to say? So, the question that the disciples ask is, what sort of man is this? The demons see Jesus and cry out, son of God. You catch that? What's the purpose of the story? The purpose of the story is to answer the question that the disciples asked. What sort of man is this? Well, let me tell you. He's the son of God. 
when the disciples couldn't get it, demonic forces had to show up, tell them who this guy really is. That's the son of God. Yeah, that's, that's the son of God. Jesus, what do you have to do with us? Jesus, son of God. So you could imagine the disciples aren't even mentioned in this, in this uh, text, which tells me what? The disciples were meant to be the audience. Hello? The disciples are not mentioned because they're the audience. This moment is happening just for them. What sort of man is this? This is the son of God. Notice what they say. Uh, you come here to torment us before the time. So the reality is Satan is on a leash. And right now, as the, as the world continues and time continues and, and, and before Jesus returns, uh, really God is allowing evil to run its course. But there will be a day where God destroys evil completely and totally. And he brings in a new world and gives those who follow him a, a new body and a new, a new nature. And there will be no more sin. And there will be no more hurt, no more pain, and there will be no more evil. And so they look at him and they say, we know that time is going to come. Are you here to take us out before that time comes? Now, now they, some, they, say something very, they say something very interesting. They say, have you come here to torment us? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I thought, I thought demons were supposed to do the tormenting. Hello? I, I thought demons were supposed to do the tormenting. And you have here in this moment the, the authority of Jesus on display. I love that. What, what normally does the tormenting in the presence of Jesus is tormented. Come on, somebody. That should encourage you. What I love about Jesus and what I love about what he did on the cross is that he did not just overcome sin, he overcame evil. He, he overcame the devil. He overcame every demonic influence and power. So where we invite the presence of Jesus, where we speak the authority of Jesus, what should torment us gets tormented. Does that make sense? It's the authority of Jesus. It's the authority of Jesus. Not an authority of a priest. Not the authority of a, of a, of a, of a teacher, of a preacher, of, of, a, of an evangelist. It's the authority of Jesus. Now a good way off from them was a herd of, of swine, pigs. They were feeding. The demons begged Jesus. The demons begged Jesus which tells me they don't have all authority. If they need permission, now if they need permission and they're an influence in your life, that means you gave them permission. <laughs> they begged Jesus, if you cast us in, if, you, if you're gonna cast us out, allow us to go into the herd of Swine. Let us, you know, put us into the pigs. Why? This is a Gentile area. Pigs are an unclean animal. So they're trying to negotiate. We're unclean spirits. So put us in an unclean animal. And Jesus does. Now, you know what's interesting? They know who Jesus is, but they're still demons. <laughs> They know who Jesus is. You're the son of God. But they're still demons. Which means knowledge is not enough. Hello? Knowledge is not enough. You, you could know him and still be a demon. Which means, which means to know Jesus and resist him is demonic. I'm not going to bother that because I could go deep in that. So 
So that's why you have the, the sons of Sceva, read Acts. They, they try to do things just by, just by saying the name Jesus. They don't know him. Jesus doesn't know them. And they end up leading, leaving beaten, bruised, and naked. That's a fun story. <laughs> and Jesus said to them, go. Now, two things we have to realize in Jesus' address to the demonic forces. Number one, the simplicity of Jesus. Jesus does not have a counseling session with the demon forces. He, you know what I'm saying? He's not, this is, this is not a Hollywood movie. This is not the priest, you know what I mean? Having a full out conversation. Jesus says, go. That's it. You don't need more than that. You don't need more than that. When it has to do with the authority of Jesus, one word is enough. Go. Go. So when we speak to things in our life, one word is enough. Why? We're not standing in our own authority. We're standing in the authority of Jesus. The authority of Jesus, right? Silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, Jesus. Get up and walk. So, number one, simplicity. Number two, power. One word is enough. One word, go, sends them out of the, t the men's body into the pigs. And the Bible tells us the whole herd of the pigs run down over a cliff into the sea and they perish in, in the water. Now, as I begin to close, are we doing okay? I didn't even get to my, I didn't even get to my notes yet. So, it tells us, then those who, who kept them fled, meaning the herdsmen, they went into the city, they tell everything that happens, including what happens to the demon-possessed men. Um, and, and then it says something very interesting in the last verse, verse 34. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. Now, I want, I want you to picture this, okay? Jesus just delivers two men from demonic oppression. The whole city hears about this. And they come to meet Jesus. Now you would think the reason they would come to Jesus is because they have issues of their own and they want Jesus to deal with those issues. Jesus, you just, you just freed those two men. I need you to free me too. You freed those two men. I need you to free my family. I need you to free my brother. I need you to free my... Jesus, we need your authority in this town. That, that's what you would think would happen. And that's what should happen. But something completely different happens. That they see him and they beg him to depart from their region. They beg him to depart from his, their region. Now, now imagine if you're the two men that just got freed. Now, these men would not have been born under demonic oppression. They would have had a life. And we're not told, but you know, they don't come out of the womb, you know, with, with their mouth foaming and they're like, right? They weren't like that when they were kids, although parents might say something different. That was a joke, guys. You can laugh. <laughs> they would have had a life. Now imagine them watching this. They've just been set free. And their, their, their town, their region, the people come to Jesus, the guy who just set them free, and they go, leave from here. What's going through your mind? What is that communicating? <laughs> right? That you, you getting free is not that important. You getting free is not that, that important. Excuse me. 
and they're upset because they have business. They have a business. They're herdsmen, pigs, money. This is a Gentile area, which means these are not Jewish people, which means people would have purchased the pigs, had them for dinner, right? Pork chops, roasts, and all. Um, what, what if what if what Jesus wants to do in someone else's life costs you something what if the work Jesus wants to do through you actually costs you something what, what if you don't have the the leisure time in your calendar that you normally would. Hello? What, what if it does cause inconveniences? What if it does cost money? Oh no, anything Jesus would ask me to do would be free. <laughs> You haven't followed him long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, if, what if Jesus wants to do something in someone else's life and it actually costs you? So picture this. Jesus tells the demons to go and the people tell Jesus to go. Jesus tells the demons to go and the people tell Jesus to go. And I want you to catch this. They, they couldn't celebrate what God was doing. Not because it wasn't worth celebrating. They couldn't celebrate what God was doing because they didn't think it was worth what it cost them. Did you hear what I just said? I'm not saying it's not worth celebrating. I'm just saying it's not worth what it's costing me. God, I want you to do things in my life. Okay. Are you ready to let me decide your schedule? Are you ready to let me determine where your resources go? Are you ready to determine or let me determine where you live? Where you work? Are, are you ready for that? See, we want to celebrate what God wants to do. We just don't want to celebrate it at the cost that it comes to us. You know how many people I hear tell me, man, I'm so excited about what God is doing at APC. Well, why don't you be a part of it? Serve. Well, you know, I got a full-time job. Okay. Okay. Well, you know I got kids. Well, you know I'm newly married. You know, I'd rather be out watching a movie. See, because we want God to do things through us. We just don't want them to cost us anything. So, so a man is set free from demonic torment, but the people are mad about their pigs. Now watch this. It's not that the pigs are, more, are worth more than, than human life. But it's what the pigs represented. The pigs represented their income. The pigs represented their life. Jesus, you're more than welcome. Just don't disrupt my life. You're more than welcome. Just don't, just don't move things around. Don't, just don't begin to start telling me what to do. Don't, don't start exercising your authority. But the problem is, the moment Jesus enters your life, he begins to disrupt it. 
You, you cannot welcome Jesus into your life and not have your life disrupted. Not have a few things go the way you would not want them to go. Because the moment the Son of God enters your life, things begin to make room for Him. And what you considered a priority soon begins to fall over in His presence. And, and, and the problem is we're spending too much time trying to catch the things that are falling over. than embracing the one who's entered our life. You can't have Jesus and not have your life disrupted. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. Now, I got about a minute and I'm gonna end. You ready? Are we doing okay? So, so two men were set free. And, and they, I want, I want us to go back to this because it says the demons begged Jesus. This is, this is crazy. They begged Jesus to leave them alone. And the people begged Jesus to leave them alone. But by this time, the demons are gone. Which tells me that the demons can be gone, but you can still be enslaved. Hello? I'm going to talk about this in the, in the next 45 seconds, which really is a lie. It's more like two or three minutes, but... See, see you, don't, you don't need a demon to be enslaved. You just need thought patterns. Thought patterns, patterns of thinking. What they were enslaved to, the two guys were enslaved by, by demonic influence. They were enslaved to thought patterns. This is what life is. This is what matters. This is the way things should be. The demons are gone, but they're still enslaved. Now, thought patterns are what the Bible calls strongholds. Okay? I've thought about this, but I, I feel like I need to bring it here because it, it's important. Strongholds, if you ever heard that term, are thought patterns. Strongholds are not demons. But demons use strongholds. You understand that? Demons use strongholds. Demons use patterns of thinking to, to influence you, to, to trap you, to enslave you. The demons are gone, but they're, they're still stuck. They're still enslaved. So, so strongholds aren't demons, but they can be used by, by demons. Stop patterns. Right now, right now, there are strongholds in your life. What causes them, Pastor Mo? Habitual sin? generational ways of doing things, right? You doing, you doing life a certain way, you raising your kids a certain way, well, who taught you that? Well, I don't know, I just learned it from my mother. Well, who taught her that? Well, she doesn't know, she just learned it from her. Thought patterns, enslavement, trapped, and tradition. You know why Jesus said tradition makes void the word of God? Because tradition comes with strongholds, patterns of thinking, Habitual sin, footholds, areas in your life. So, so you're saved, but you're addicted to pornography, stronghold. You're forgiven, but you can't forgive others, stronghold. You can love a stranger, but you can't love your spouse, stronghold. Patterns of thinking that are not demons, but demons use them. Vanity and idols of beauty and worth. 
strongholds. Things that you think should determine your value. Strongholds. It's not that you can't leave your house looking ugly. And some people struggle with this. Because while some laugh, there's others who weren't laughing. Why? Because there's a pattern of thinking. Strongholds. Ties with false religions. Strongholds. New age practices. Strongholds. You come into church, but, but still looking at horoscopes. Strongholds. That's demonic activity. You can't, you can't mix Christianity and witches. Strongholds. Crystals and, and dream catchers and the rest of it. Psychics and palm re- You're trying to marry the devil and God. doesn't work. Strongholds. Now, now, the two men were set free. But there was, another, there was another thing in the scripture that was set free that we don't talk about or nor pay attention to. There was a path that no one would take because of the demonic forces. The path that wasn't safe was now safe. And these people didn't get it. Which tells me you can be saved and stuck at the same time. Why? Strongholds. Can I prove it to you? Look at this scripture out of, out of 2 Corinthians. I, I promise I'm done. I know you guys got to go. It's, it's late. Paul says this. He says, he says, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. In other words, the natural world isn't the biggest thing in our life. Why? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy Strongholds, don't go to the next verse yet, hold on. To destroy strongholds. He's gonna expand on what this means in the next verse. What does this mean, Paul? Let's read it. We destroy arguments and every, you can go to the next verse now. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. What are strongholds? Arguments and opinions. The reason some of us are stuck is because of arguments and opinions. I want you to catch yourself the next time you give into habitual sin. The next time you validate your anger. Jesus wants to bring freedom, but you're arguing. No, I deserve to be angry. Stronghold. It's not a demon, but a demon will use it. Are you making guys catching what I'm saying? This is the Bible, guys. It's not complicated. We complicate things. We wanna we wanna nail things to the wall, we wanna sprinkle water and do all kinds of weird stuff. No, no, no. It's a stronghold. Now here's the crazy part. Not, not everything or everyone responds to the authority of Jesus with allegiance. The arguments and the thoughts and the opinions, they rise up when the authority of Jesus wants to come into your life, free you, deliver you. And what do they begin to do? They begin to treat the authority of Jesus as a threat. So what do we need to pray for? What do we need to pray against? Those, those, those arguments and opinions that have been reinforced as we continue to give into habits. So, so if you have a way of thinking, a pattern of thinking, this is modern psychology. Psychology will tell you, the Bible told you this 2,000 years ago. Psychology will tell you today that if you have a thought and you reinforce it with a behavior, it continues to become more concrete. It becomes a stronghold. You ever try to correct someone and, 
And it's like, you just cannot correct them. It's a stronghold. <laughs> okay, I should, I should stop. Um, was that good? Was that all right? Um, I, could, I could do more of a teaching on this. I, I, I wanted to touch into Ephesians 6, but I won't do that tonight. Maybe, maybe I'll save that for another time. I wanted to tell you about the schemes schemes the schemes of the devil Satan has schemes you know how you de defeat schemes through strategy you know what the strategy is there in Ephesians 6 the armor of God the Bible is brilliant anyways I'll get to that another time let's pray well Father we just thank you in this moment for you being our teacher. God, that you don't just want to, you don't just want to save us, you want to free us. So free us, God. Let your authority come into the lives in, uh, of your people tonight. Help us not resist it, to treat it as a threat. Help us to welcome it because your authority allows us to live a life of freedom. Thank you, God, that you did not just defeat sin, you defeated evil. You defeated the devil. I pray that your people would invite your authority, your presence into their homes, into their lives, into their marriages, into their careers, into what they have planned. God, that your authority would be welcomed and invited into all areas and aspects of their life. We celebrate, we celebrate what you're gonna do. Even if it's at the cost of some idols that need to come down in our lives. Do that, God. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.